Welcome to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Tenth floor. Tenth floor. My name is Paul Ford. I am the co-founder of Postlight and the co-host of Track Changes. And I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-founder of Postlight. Paul. Yes. What does Postlight do? Postlight builds platforms for... Anybody. But finance, NGOs, media, we're known for it. Yeah, you got we build issue. big sprawling applications, insurance, web. Yeah, whatever you need. We don't make video games. Let's let's confess. No, we do. We'd the, love to mess around though. We like the big infrastructural, like complicated Meaty stuff, and then the products on top of it, the apps and the websites and the admin tools the and mobile apps. Yeah. And, um, so today on our podcast, we uh, asked Michael Sippy to come back. He yes, is. He is a, this is unprecedented. Never had him. Never had a guest back on. I don't believe we have. Michael is a product manager of much repute, uh, and has been at it for a really long time. He was and, a Twitter, yes, and uh, had a startup. And last time we talked to him, he was winding down or had just wound down a a startup called Talk Show, and talked about his sort of general approach to life. And since then, he's gone on and he's had a product for Medium. So before we talk to Michael, I need to disclaim, I'm an advisor to Medium. I've had a long relationship with the organization. That's People should know that. Judge me accordingly. Go. All right. Let's, let's, talk. Talk, to, let's talk to Michael let's by phone from the Bay Area. So welcome back to Track Changes. Two-time guest. Unprecedented. Michael Sippy. Wait. Unprecedented? Yeah. Am I really the first? Yeah. You are the first. Right. Well, and I feel blessed. Michael, I'll tell you, I, of many of the podcasts that we've done, all of which are cherished angels from heaven, every podcast is. We love them all. But we got a lot of very straightforward feedback on yours because people appreciated your three-step approach to product management and your honesty about where your product talk show had succeeded and then... Not not succeeded or failed. Right. Just let's you know embrace right. it. We all we've all we've all enjoyed and wrapped, right. our, arms, oh, yeah. wrapped our arms around the f bomb. Let's start there. Actually, let's remind people of the three things that you ask when you're doing product management. Yeah, it's a really simple three questions, which is what problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? And how are you going to measure success? All right. Basically it. Now you, since we last spoke, went and took a new job. I did. I did. Uh, It's pretty exciting. I am uh, now head of product at Medium. Medium, the well-known blogging platform. Is that what they call it? Can you say blogging platform? (laughs) No, I think I do. We don't really say blogging. Paul says blogging. (laughs) (laughs) Paul refuses to let go is what's happening. I know. It's been a week. Okay. You've got three things you ask when you're doing product management and you have a new job at medium. So line those up for me, answer those questions for medium. That's a great, that's really great. So what problem are you solving is I really want to be smarter about the world and understand what's happening. And that's, uh, can be in a particular topic or genre and really, you know, understand a little bit better what's happening in the world. Who are we solving it for? It's for educated readers on the internet. And how do we measure success? It's, 
can we essentially deliver you content that is interesting and engaging? And eventually, can we get you to subscribe and become a member of Medium? All right. Product goals. Smarter about the world. First of all, if I went to Rich and said, I want to make a product that makes people smarter about the world. Rich, what would you do? Would you punch me in the face? I'd probably walk out of the room. Okay. In a huff. I mean, well, it's a client service. It's a client service business. So if somebody came and said that to us, we'd probably go, that's really interesting. Actually, we'd light up. Yeah, we would. We could go, I mean, that's a seven to eight year engagement. Uh, And you're just sort of like, wow, it's going to require a lot of spidering. A lot. And this is, you know, seven to eight year engagement. Medium's five years in, right? So this is a long-term project that that I've just joined. Um, And it's, uh, I think that the approach that, that the company's been taking around essentially building what I think, and I, you know, I think a lot of people would agree, is uh, the best place to write online, the best tools for writers, the best experience for creating content, and a really fantastic experience for reading and and finding new voices to discover. So I, I think that that mission of, you know, essentially helping people get smarter about the world and believing that that words matter and that doing that well is an important thing to do for the world is. That mission is uh, alive and well. So that's the thing that I love and, and why I joined. All right. So I'm, I'm going to be a bloodthirsty capitalist devil's advocate. Go uh, for it. That is not a way to make money. I need to see 30 second cooking videos that are accelerated. I need to see really tasty. Top 200. down. You need to see that bowl from oh. the top down. Yeah, that's right. There are forms of media that you engage with, which... Look, I mean, Medium is a place for long pieces, right? And those have been around for basically 2,000 years. But I think the tasty videos, like people develop an immune system. There's certain, you know, memes wear out. Ideas and forms that are like too fast and too manipulative yeah. wear out. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds, 200 words. What does the cast of Happy Days look like today? That's the stuff that makes money. I don't know if anything makes money. Let's. <laughs> well, I mean, there's yeah. a multi-billion-dollar ad tech industry, right? Right. That and, makes money. That's uh, doing good. It's doing great. That's doing well for Google and Facebook. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't think that a lot of the publishers that are doing that are, are doing well, and I think that you know I'm not going to sit here and speak for the entire of media or publishing industry, but I think that the trend, the trend line that we've seen in terms of revenue per page, you know, rep- RPMs is essentially trending towards zero. The the way the revenue model that we're taking is subscriptions, which is essentially deliver value to readers. And if you deliver them a good enough product, both in the content and the editorial side and in the delivery vehicle of website, apps, email digest, et cetera, that uh, people will pay for it. That's That's the bet. And the bet is working so far. So take me back a step. You are an experienced senior product manager in Silicon Valley and you're a product management leader, and you start at a company. Now, you've had a relationship on and off with Medium for a while. Mm-hmm. But what is your first day like? What do you do? First day uh, is essentially meeting the team because it's all about the team. So spending time with the product managers that are here, with the engineers that are here, the designers that are here, to understand what people are working on, what motivates them, and uh, and what they care about on a daily basis, and and just to understand a little bit of the history. Uh, so that was really the first you know thirty days, roughly, is just spending a lot of time listening and understanding what each of the teams was working on to have a little bit better context. Because 
you think you can have context looking in from the outside or even in a, a few weeks of, of discussions and talking with the team before you join. But once you get inside, you really want to understand, like, how does the place run? Uh, what makes it tick and what makes the teams operate? What surprised you? I, you know, I don't think it's a surprise. The, the level of thoughtfulness, attention to detail and care that the people here bring to the work they do, both in terms of the, at the kind of micro level of when we ship a feature, uh, like the thoughtfulness that goes into the design, the testing that goes into the product, like how we actually roll it out, the, thought, the thoughtfulness about the language that, you, that we use, ratchet it up to like what is, the, what is the business strategy and where is the product going and how does that align with what we're doing on the editorial side. I think that there's it's not a surprise, and it's one of the reasons why I joined. It's because of that culture and having had exposure to it in the past. But it is really uh, great to see from the inside. The other piece is, you know, you always want to understand a little bit about how the sausage is made, and every company kind of does it a little bit differently. So just understanding, like, what is the meeting structure like? Like, how do we communicate with each other about, like, product status from a metrics perspective? Like, what kind of tools are available on the product science side? to um, what's the pace of execution, how do we ship, how often does code get rolled, you know, what does the DevOps situation look like, all of that. Like, those are the types of things, like, once you're on the inside, it's kind of always fun to learn how a company operates and, and literally what makes it tick on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Very helpful. You know, it's, it's such a different perspective as we listen to this from the agency world. You know, this is something we talk about inside of Postlight, which is the mission is weird, right? It's a bunch of baby Mm -hmm. missions that show up. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're trying to assemble sort of these ad hoc teams and motivate. Um, And for us, it's very much about post-light and the the quality of the place and the culture we've created and the the goodwill that we've built. We focus very purely on the craft, right? Because that's what we that's are. Right. That's exactly right. And yeah. we have, we've had one client for 18 months. We have a new one for six, like a working with Postlight for a year or two is normal, even mm-hmm. at two years old. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing because the folks that are working with that client have to really understand the client's culture and their processes and what they're actually trying to build in their business objectives. Oh, without a doubt. And live the Postlight life. Right. That's that's right. Um, because you're trying to build a business and a culture and a mode of operating. And I did the consulting thing for a couple of years, and it's always that uh, you're always straddling that. Right. Mm-hmm. Of we're trying to do both things. We're trying to build the business of the of the agency and uh, build the business of the client. Well, here's the thing, right? What are we but our process in this job? Like there, are, you're a set of skills, knowledge, and understanding. But the reason you have a job is that you can apply some kind of process to a very abstract problem and get a piece of software out the other end. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what you guys are is you're that collective process and the culture that produces it. That's, that's right. Um, Okay. So you do have a mission and it's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're coming in, you're getting to know the team, you're getting to know the culture. You're really, you're processing a lot. And then there is this particular mission, which I guess, you know, as head of product, you have to internalize that. Mm -hmm. For us, I mean, again, we co- I keep going back to us, but this is just what we relate to. Um, if if it doesn't connect, uh, it's not going to come out as good, right? Uh, right? It's just consistently, we we hope that the work that's coming in is going to be something that 
you don't have to fall in love with it because it's you're just going to date for a while. We're an agency, but I feel that that's the contract, right? That right. your job and my job is to deliver more and more interesting work. Yeah. Into the organization. Yeah. That's our core social contract with our employees. Correct. Right. Because because here's the thing: if you are, it's. I mean, it gets to the process and culture thing, right? So if you're only essentially executing the same process for the same types of clients then you're not going to be able to keep people around for very long. Because it's like, oh, another one of these? Like, I just did that. I'm not growing. Mm -hmm. I'm not learning anything new. And so part of the culture is essentially bringing a little bit of the bright and shiny into that process and make each of those kind of, you know, crank turning of that process a little bit interesting and different every time so that the organization learns and you get better at what you do. So it's that constant, like, kind of leveling up the problems that you're solving and the different types of clients that you're serving in order to change and make the organization better, right? Yep. Make that muscle stronger. That's a great observation, and it's a challenging one, right? Because you're also, you're a business. Uh, and right, and, you, and like repeat revenue is useful. Exactly. Right? You're so you're balancing like, oh, all that out. All right, we're balancing, like you're balancing like sales cycle versus, right? That's yeah, exactly it's hard. Right. It's really hard. So I want to go back to the, I mean, you arrived, I mean, there was a pivotal point for Medium. Mm-hmm. It, it bet on a particular strategy, and it didn't take. There was sort of this pause for a minute, and then a really dramatic shift kicked in. And the chatter, yeah. and again, I don't know all the chatter, but the chatter was like, they got to take on ads. And they went down that path Yeah, for a little while. And I think this is, I mean, it gets to your, your choice of the word strategy is interesting because it's, it's basically like you kind of always operate a kind of, you know, vision slash mission strategy and tactics. Yeah. And the mission of the company hasn't changed. The strategy and the tactics that it's using to uh, build a business around mm-hmm. it definitely changed at the beginning of the year. And yeah, I mean, I think they realized that their uh, the ad business wasn't going to work for this particular yeah. company. Yeah. The mission hadn't changed. The strategy changed. Uh, and the tactics were, let's go build a subscription business. Yeah. And so in March, this is before I joined, they launched Media Membership which is a $5 a month and recently we had an annual option, so $50 a year membership that gets you access to content that is published and syndicated for members by writers that we commission, uh, publications that we syndicate content from, and then the kind of large crew of people that are actually writing on Medium can now join the partner program and choose to uh, make their content available to members and then share in the revenue that is generated um, from the members that actually read those stories. And so it's this, you know, uh, from a, again, from a mission and vision perspective, that hasn't changed. Like essentially yeah. deliver great content to people. Yep. And like, we want to get writers paid, right? Like words matter, writers matter. We want writers to get paid. Uh, the tactic that the company is taking now of essentially opening up this partner program and letting anyone uh, choose to participate in that program and get paid uh, based on, member engagement with their stories, I think is really fun and exciting and uh, done in a way that is aligns the incentives of the reader and the writer. So it's fun. It's, it's really fun. Fun because you get to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to land on Mars. Nobody's ever been here before. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, I, mean, I talk about medium as people say, like, why did you join? And I said, I think this is the most interesting media company on the planet. Mm. We're trying to do something without ads with subs on a base of, you know, 10, 12,000 posts a day that are coming in mm-hmm. and build a platform on, you know, we have this, this great history of user-generated content and there's amazing pieces that are published every day. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that and build an interesting 
and growing a large subscription business, we can fund all sorts of great content that can be funneled through Medium. And I think that that's like really fun and exciting. So can I imitate one of your investors? Sure. Are you insane? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, they actually... they So none of our investors uh, say that, actually. <laughs> okay. uh, what they say is... Um, it's a bad imitation. You, uh, yeah, it's a bad imitation. <laughs> I mean, essentially, our, like, you know, look, I've been in two board meetings so far, and the discussion has been, this is great. You know, let's grow it. Let's go. So it's... I don't uh, understand Silicon Valley. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's actually almost... You know, people jab it to Silicon Valley, but yeah, but like, why? This is a, it's a, here's the thing. It's actually a, like it's a really simple business model, right? Mm-hmm. Which is deliver something of value that readers will pay for. Mm-hmm. Like a subscription business is a very simple is a very simple business model. So my job and like our job collectively as a company is to build a product that is a combination of you know delivery and content that has value for enough people to pay for it. So that you know, we can essentially grow the business and be able to pay salaries and afford office space and pay writers and pay for content. I don't think that's crazy at all. And what's what's interesting is the reaction from a lot of folks that are in traditional media of, of like not understanding what we're up to. And it's like, no, well, it's actually I have to find it. I find it very simple and very clarifying. Hmm. And and uh, and frankly, like I think all of the you know, it's having all the incentives aligned makes a ton of sense to me that uh, we're we want to deliver something of value that, that readers will pay for. I think, you know, probably yeah. it, it originates from, I mean, that's great and it's a great idea, but you can't, you, you just, there's, it doesn't scale. We can't pull it. You can't pull it off. I mean, let's, let's look at the world, right? There's the Washington post, there's the Atlantic, there's the New York times. I think it, I don't know. I'm sure there are others, but it just about stops there. There are lots and lots of paywalled sites for publications that are very niche. And there's mm-hmm. things like Elsevier and, and, um, mm-hmm large scholarly publishing efforts. Which are very expensive. Like that's professional. Very controversial. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there are, you know, thousands of journals behind paywalls. Right. So there is a precedent for people paying for high quality content. What what the precedent that's un- really unusual here, and this is tough to address. I mean, I, I say this as a friend of the organization, right? Like people will pay lots of money to access scholarly journals from the last hundred years because they can count on the content that's inside. They can, um, there's just a set of standards. That they it's also can, often subsidized by whoever you work for. Almost or always the, by your university. Yeah, university Most universities or, have free access campus-wide to yeah. JSTOR, right? Mm-hmm. So there are institutional access. There's all these things that raise the value of that content in people's perception while also lowering friction for a specific community. Mm-hmm. And, you're creating internet-born content for the most part, like things that are uh-huh. reacting to the day, written by people who are might be professional writers, might not be, and uh-huh. and asking people to jump over that that threshold. And that to me is novel. Uh-huh. Like that's new. Asking people to pay for work by that doesn't have a specific kind of brand imprint on it, like the New York Times or the Washington Post, but is more about the author's voice. Uh-huh. So. This is uh, this is why I think it's the most interesting media company in the world. Which is this is the challenge that we have. We have, it means that we have to turn the medium brand into something that people are willing to pay for, and that means delivering people, uh, finding the diamonds in the rough, polishing those diamonds, and delivering them to readers. That takes work. That takes uh, a lot of really interesting 
kind of writer community management work. It takes some interesting curatorial work. It takes a, you know, a sprinkling of machine learning and personalization to go find interesting things in the, in the corpus of things that are published on Medium every day uh, and delivering those to you in a way that is a great reading experience. Um, and, you know, so far, the results are really, really great and growing. And what we're finding is that as people are discovering and reading content that is for members, because we have a, you know, we have a meter and paywall type situation, as they find and read more of that, they subscribe. And it's because we deliver things of value to them that, again, like helps them understand their world and the things that they're interested in. And those voices don't need to be necessarily with aligned with a classic media brand. They can be first-person experiences from the people that are kind of living the things that you want, whether that's photography or you're into cryptocurrency or you're into life hacking or if you're into, I mean, there's just all of this great content that's there and the people that are there have wonderful voices and it's our job to go surface that and make sure that we're delivering that great content to people. And that's why it's, this is why it's really fun and really challenging, which is there's all of this great stuff that's published on Medium every day and we just have to get better and better and better at finding it and servicing it to the right people and making sure that when you come to Medium, you understand what it stands for and, uh, and we're delivering like great stuff to you. There's a point in here that I think it's important for people to, to process a little bit. Let me try to unpack it, which is about the job that you do. Because I, I think when I think product manager, even though I know this isn't what the job really is because I live it every day, I think here's someone who is going to ship a product. They're going to get the website up, get the apps in the app store, and make sure that the platform that supports them is really strong and good. But everything else that you're talking about, setting up business processes, hiring people, staffing against editorial work, getting a machine learning track kicked off is connected to that. So mm -hmm. how should people think about that kind of work? Like, how do you think about that? Because, you know, you, you're a web person and a business person for quite a while now. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm old. I know it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Wizened. And uh, Gray, you have no hair left. It's very confusing, right? Because the medium is still very young. Um, right. How does, what is the role of the product manager when the product manager isn't just making product, but also kind of building the business and the enterprise and often kind of quietly reorganizing things around product needs? Well, it's, you know, there's all sorts of that that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Like we're running lots of experiments all the time and looking at A-B test results and, you know, writing product briefs and all the, you know, usual stuff that happens in a product org. The really interesting thing that I love about my job, given, like, I was an English lit major undergrad. I've been writing online for a long time. Uh, I've launched, you know, media websites and worked in the space for a while. And so the really interesting thing about my job is being able to collaborate with curators and editors and folks that are creating content and figuring out that mix of form and storytelling that I think is like is really fun. Uh, and I've been doing that for a long time, but now I get to do it for my job. And that's the same thing of like working with engineers of like thinking about personalization and machine learning and how we're doing topic classification and how do we understand if the story is quality and all of those things that are uh, really hard, interesting computer science problems that I don't know how to go do that stuff, but I love working with those people. For me, 
this feels, I mean, it feels like heaven. Like I'm working with all of these really, really smart people in a very, very multidisciplinary way about um, delivering essentially an end product that when you look at your phone, you want to tap on the medium icon and like dive in. So uh, I, w- I want to step into the role of the writer for a second. So I wrote a great yeah. piece on medium. It blew up lots of claps. Do you reach out to me? Uh, yeah, sometimes we do. Okay. Yeah. Second question. I, I've got a good following. I write a lot of great pieces. Nothing's blown up, but it's, it's building and it's doing good. Do I click a button and tell medium, Hey, I want to be part of your premium services. Yeah. So okay. absolutely. So anybody today as a writer on medium can essentially, uh, become part of the partner program. So got it. you're an individual writer, you write on medium, you can opt into the partner program and then you can make a decision when you publish, uh, whether or not you want to get paid for that piece. Okay. And if you want to get paid, it goes behind, yep, behind goes the payment behind, wall. Uh, behind the payment wall. Okay. Uh, and if you're, a, if you're a signed in user of Medium, uh, you can read uh, three lock stories uh, per month. Got it. And then we're working on evolving that over the next, over the next uh, few weeks so that you can imagine as a logged out reader, you can actually read those things because we want to make sure that if you're writing and you, you're opting in to get paid for a story, that we're not limiting your distribution. So when you write, you can say, yep, I want this to be, I want to be able to get paid for the story. And it's available both to logged out readers of Medium as well as logged in readers of Medium. And then we have um, essentially uh, meter mechanics, just like uh, is happening on other um, kind of mainstream media sites that have a subscription component. Okay. I want to talk about fake news. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think we're, this is all, this is common for the three of us. We live in a particular corner of the internet. We don't bite a lot of the silliness and we stay in sort of certain circles and we avoid certain sites and we can, we can sniff out bullshit and all that. But medium to me, and again, I only have read a particular corner of medium seems to have even to date, even without the subscription model have carved out a corner of the internet that seems to have been immune to a lot of that stuff. Uh, and meanwhile, it's a place where anyone can write. I mean, okay, the uh-huh. New York Times can do it, but that they're they're completely controlling, obviously, the content that comes out. Uh-huh. Talk to me about that for a second. I, I think it's amazing that they that they did that. And again, I'm not sure they did. Maybe there is a lot of garbage on Medium. I have no idea. Um, but I've never, I've rarely, rarely, rarely seen it, if if ever. Is that something that is part of the mission to some extent, or did you, did you guys just sort of found yourselves in a place where higher quality stuff's getting published and and the like? Well, I think that this is a, no work of mine and all the work of the team that's been here for years. I think there are a few layers to answer this question. One is anytime you put a, uh, a essentially a text area on the internet, you're at risk of having things that are abusive, inflammatory, fake news, all sorts of problems. And we have our share of those problems. And I think we do without setting ourselves up as a target, I think we do an above average job of dealing with those issues. We have an excellent trust and safety team. We have a really clear, uh, and I think uh, a really clear and exemplary set of policies around that type of content. We act on it quickly. And I think that the system is engineered to uh, not, the fact that you haven't seen it uh, means that the system that has been engineered means it's working. Mm -hmm. So uh, both from a policy perspective, a staffing perspective, the folks that actually manage those issues 
and the technology that makes sure that those stories actually don't get surfaced to readers. Uh, it just takes a lot of work. I think the other piece is the brand. Right. And like it's a combination of the brand and the fact that we act quickly means that we've been lucky that that type of content really hasn't found a purchase in the site. And I think that that's, I think that's uh, just a lot of hard work and it continues to be hard work. You know, I am never going to say that we're perfect or that the site is free of this stuff because there's bad content on Medium and it's our job to make sure that when it gets reported, we act on it quickly, that we have a clear set of policies and that we make sure that we engineer the system so that as best as we can, that content is in surface to people. I think that the fact that, I mean, one of the things that I've just been, I've been thinking a lot about what's, what's been happening with um, Facebook and Twitter and going in front of Congress is that, you know, the difference is um, the, essentially they have a uh, promoted content business model at Facebook and folks can essentially put things on websites and then promote it on Facebook and, uh, and essentially drive distribution. Right. Um, and that's just not the way that medium works. Right. All right. One last question. Yeah. How do you measure success in the job? How do you know you're doing a good job? Oh, good question. As a oh, that's a really good question. I think it's about clarity. Huh. I think it's all about clarity, which is, is the organization clear about where we're going, about what we're doing, about how we're executing, and about how well the experiments we're running are succeeding or failing, right? So I don't, I don't have, like, I love, like, crazy hypothesis testing and all sorts of, like, you know, being really bold and adventurous in the experimentation, as long as there's, like, really crystal clear thinking about, like, why you're going to do that, and there's honesty and transparency about the results that happen so that the organization learns. So I think that, really, success in this type of role is about clarity combined with, like, sense of purpose and mission, that, like, I look at my job as making sure that the teams that I work with, everybody is aware of what's happening, that we document things clearly, that we have, like, clarity of thought, and that, that all of the work that we're doing essentially lines up to mission and purpose. And so it's a little bit of, like, repeating the same message over and over again and being a little bit of a cheerleader for what we're doing. And I think that that's, for me, that's really exciting and fun. And then, you know, on the, on the, what you want is, like, that's internally and then on the, on the outside, I mean, the ultimate judge of whether or not this thing is actually working is like, do we get the business results that we want? Like, is the business growing in the ways that we want in our kind of key metrics as the, as the company? Is that is it going in the right direction? But really, internally and in how we work, it's about, it's about clarity and sense of purpose. I can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Michael Siffy, thank you for uh, coming on the Thanks Track Changes. Thanks for having changes. me back. Well, we'll have you on a third time. <laughs> no doubt All right, about great. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thoughtful guy very smart dude and a very nice person and attached to actually a mission that i really really respect i obviously i do too every Uh, other mission's tied to money this one's tied to money too but it seems to have a couple things ahead of it well there's a path to get to that money as opposed to like the what's the shortest path well i mean the whole internet is smeared with shit right now so it's nice to see a mission that is trying to clean up the shit it is true it's a little bleak out there and this is not bleak no it's not it's, it's almost hard and confusing to listen to someone who isn't deeply cynical about media and the internet right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do you, yeah. what, what memo did you miss? But, and we're know. fans. I mean, let's be honest. I read a lot of stuff on it. It's not like I say, oh, let me go to Medium right now. I just, I ever, half my clicks end up at Medium. So, thank you, Michael. This has been Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, the digital product studio that lives at 101 Fifth Avenue on the 10th floor. 
I'm Rich Ziotti, one of the co-founders of Postlight. I'm Paul Ford, that other co-founder. And if you need us for anything, just send an email to hello at postlight.com. And if you're on iTunes, five-star that mofo. Yeah, like we're a fancy French restaurant. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Have a great week. See you.